Welcome to the Spirituality Out Loud podcast, where you'll hear real-life stories of people's unique spiritual journeys in their own words from their own viewpoints. Hosted by Leslie Seidel, relationship expert and spiritual mentor, who specializes in working with people on their relationships, from their romantic life to their work life and just plain life. Here's Leslie. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Spirituality Out Loud podcast. I'm Leslie Seidel, and today I have Allison McKenzie. Allison is the compassionate business mentor, speaker, and author. She is on a mission to empower business owners and entrepreneurs to grow profitable businesses that make a difference in the world. She does this through her books, speaking at events, and working with clients around the world. Hi, Allison. Hi, Leslie. Thanks very much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I'm very excited to hear your story. And we start at the beginning. Uh, what were you raised with? What, were you raised with religion? Were you raised with spirituality? And how did it land for you? What was your opinion of that? Well, I actually, you know, when I was younger, it was completely neutral, I would say. As in, my family um, don't, didn't go to church or, 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 or are not religious in any way. But by the same token, there was never any negative messages communicated to me either. So my experience of um, spirituality or religion was none other than at school, you know, we, we would learn about, you know, Christmas and Easter and, 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 and Jesus Christ being brought up in a, in a Christian country, um, a, pre a predominantly Christian country. And I learned it through school. I would go to church occasionally through school and the brownies and the guides, but that was as far literally as it went. And I think when I was about nine or 10, I can remember choosing to go to Sunday school I have no idea why because I do remember also trying to get out of going to church at any time with the school and guides and brownies and I used to say I was allergic to it it was actually the mats I thought were really uncomfortable that we had to sit on and, you know and I, I really for the life of me I was like this this, this white-haired man that they're calling God he doesn't seem very kind and nice he seems to just tell them all off and I just couldn't get it I was like why um yeah. but for whatever reason and I think it was probably to do with friends that went to Sunday school and I think I wanted to be included so I, I can remember opting in but only for a very short period of time and then if I'm perfectly honest it again it was there wasn't much other than, I suppose, for us being in the UK, we had the IRA and the North, Northern Southern Ireland conflict going on that, that did affect us on mainland UK as well, a lot with, with the bombs and things that were going off. I just think I grew up not thinking about religion too much, positively or negatively, and certainly had no concept of what the word spirituality meant, other than I thought it, also, it was religion. And I can remember... I went off in 91, I went off backpacking around the world. And I can remember, I know that you've done some traveling too, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I've spent years now backpacking in different times of my life. What surprised me more recently was I had a friend coming up, I came up and stayed and we hadn't seen each other um, pretty much since we'd been away backpacking, traveling around Australia in 91. And I'd written even, um, journals. So I got them out while she was with me. And I was like, wow, I meditated every night. Really? I did that in 91. What on earth got me to do that? But it was more of a practical thing that I would do to put myself into a good emotional 
place. I, I Again, I didn't have that concept of spiritual awareness at all. The first time I can remember really thinking about it, and obviously you can't not be touched by the different cultures, and I got interested in things like, I love the culture in Bali, my favourite place in the world. Um, you know, the t yeah, I know you've been there, I know I saw, I saw your stuff, yeah. um, you know, so... You know, that's just my favorite place in the world. I got curious about all sorts of different religions and we travel around temples and I loved all of that piece. But again, I didn't feel it was me. When was it now? It would have been about 2000. I started on my journey as a coach and therapist is what I, I trained in originally when I was in business. And I can remember it was with Coach U and they had 36 modules we had to do. And one of, one of the, you had 12 compulsory and 24 electives. And one of the compulsory at that point was spirituality. And I can remember thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And I mean, it was the last one I did. And it literally yeah. was, God, if I have to do this, I will do it. And I did it. And I, I can remember on that very first call just going, I had it so wrong. I thought that spirituality was this white haired God that we told us all what we weren't allowed to do. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what spirituality was. And that's the first time I can remember. And I would have been in my thirties, you know? Um, and it was the first time I really actually thought about what it all meant to me. So a long mm. story, but that was really maybe the first time when I had that awakening and now, yes, I mean, I would describe myself as a spiritual person completely, but it, it was a, an interesting journey. Well, yeah, so you did, you, you had information about it, right? Mm -hmm. And, but it wasn't something that called to you when you were young. And then even meditation was more of a, a physical act, right? Like, that's how it sounds to me, like a way to relax before bed, a way to calm yourself, like a... Yeah. practical thing not the connection to something bigger not a oh god no not the connection piece definitely but, I mean no way would I have ever entertained that at that stage in my life you know and yeah. so then you have to do it you're not seeking it out which is unusual right you, you have no other choice and you go to this thing that you want and to get what you want you have to go through this piece and it awakens something in you do you remember what about it awakened something or? I think as you ask that, what comes to mind is just connection because it kind of made what my thought when I was younger makes sense. Because now, of course, it shifted my perception of what religion is too and, um, and what phrases such as God. I mean, I would never, usually that wouldn't enter into my vocabulary. I understand what it now means now from a, a spiritual perspective. I think it was, it helped me understand that just because I'd heard certain messages about religion, that wasn't what they were all about. And it wasn't, that wasn't what defined spirituality, that we could have faith, we could be connected. And I felt like it actually all made sense and that my resistance was actually more to the resistance to the particular probably churches that I was being taken to and the particular messages I was hearing rather than connection so I, I suppose in a way it almost made, made me feel whole that it was like right okay I'm not fighting against something it's just what I was presented with didn't make sense now I know why it didn't make sense and that's better now it's really beautiful because I, I think that so many people have this resistance to churches and they get mad mm. at churches and all of these things. And, but what I hear is, you know, that there's a, there's a shadow side to everything. There's a shadow side to mm. spirituality. There's a shadow side to the coaching. There's shadow side to anything that humanity gets involved in. And right. And so you resisted that, 
that shadow and that, that, that message that these certain particular churches and, and this wonderful module, I'd love to see this, right. That, that, that now opened up. I mean, that's a huge shift. Oh, it was a massive shift and it was at a very conscious level. I mean, I was learning it, you know, it it was, even though it was quite a number of years ago now, it was online and it was, and it was that, wow, just being told something different going, oh gosh, I get it now. I totally get it. Um, And of course, now I would see, I I love, I still love going into all the different temples and, you know, experiencing different things, but I see faith and spirituality as being completely neutral and, and nothing to do with religion but more to do with us as human beings and connection. And, and for some people, if they want to, taking that into their, their religious practices. There's this, uh, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, there's this line that says, inside every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Mm, mm-hmm. And I just, I like that. Like, no matter what your path is, right? No matter where you're entering this space, it's already there. And then, and so like spirituality and faith, and then you can, there's structures, right? You can, you can learn about Islam and you can learn about Christianity and you can learn about, and that's a structure to enter into this thing that already is existing in you. I, yes, I like that. Cause actually it, it, I mean, is it, has it, is part of it about telling stories to bring alive what is already there. I mean, I talk about love that we are, when we are born, we are, before we are born, all we are is an energy of love. When we are in the womb, we are just love. When we are born, we're love. All the way through life, our energy force is love and connection. And it's within us, it is us, it's all around us. And some people may call that God. Some people may call that source. Some people may call that the universe. I see them now as all being the same thing. We just all attach different labels to how we tell ourselves and others the stories around it. So now your mind gets blown. So what do you do with that? Do you go seeking? Do you just start noticing your other, like, do you, like how, what happens next after that? I started, I guess I started going on more and more, um, workshops and courses that I I would never have gone on before. My ex-husband started thinking I had gone mad. I mean, I hadn't turned into any kind of spiritual idiot, you know, that was trying to push it down his throat. But I was just starting to have conversations and ask myself things and tell him about, you know, I'd come back from a course and tell him about something I'd experienced. And he would just say, you've just gone mad. I don't know what you're on. I mean, literally, you know, his conversations were quite attacking towards me. So but it was too strong. It was, you know, the, the connection was too strong. I liked what I was hearing. I loved what I was experiencing. I really liked the people I was meeting. And it just, it was the start of me really stepping into a whole other world that now I could never be without. And I do remember, it was funny actually, because I remember when I was married to my first husband, I don't make up, I mean, I don't collect them. I'm on marriage number two. I call the first one practice husband. And um, I do remember at one point, something tragic, very tragic had happened within the family. And I can remember lending his mom, Louise Hayes book, You Can Heal Your Life. And um, I can remember her giving it back to me and saying, Alison, you know, that's quite a spiritual book. I didn't think you would like it. And I thought, gosh, that's interesting. Because when I read it, I would never have used the word spiritual. 
at that point, I just took it as a series of techniques. I mean, it was, you know, in, in terms, do you know what I mean? It was, before I'd read it, it was not. I was just like, oh, I really like, I mean, I loved Louise Hay. Adored herself. I trained to be one of her, one of her people, you know. I, I went on and did all this stuff. But I still would never have, in my early personal development, in my early journey, when I'd very first read the book, I never thought it was spiritual. I mean, now, years down, well, not even years down the line, you know, a couple of years after that, I was like, oh, maybe, right. But it, I hadn't read it as that because I just, I, I, because my definition of spirituality was religion. It was too, compl- it, 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 they weren't marrying up. But that was interesting. But then, of course, um, not surprisingly, and for other reasons, um, that practice marriage fell apart and I was allowed to play and explore and be me you know, and that was wonderful. Um, and very quickly did meet my current husband, who um, would never describe himself as, as spiritual, however, is completely supportive of who I am and the conversations I want to have. So all is good. <laughs> it's so interesting, because my experience of people who are religious or a lot of, a lot of this stuff where they everything is is, is not practical. It's on Sundays only. It happens in church. It happens in this pre-prescribed wow. thing. And so then you come at this, not even holding the bigger picture, just saying like, this is just like an exercise program I need to do, right? Like mm-hmm. eat less and I will lose weight and just study Louis Hayes and I will get this, connect- I will get the results. And, mm-hmm. and it's so interesting. Like I, I, I'm dying to go back and look at one of her books and <laughs> In this, like in that vein, right? In this idea of this is just a practical thing. And it's, I, I couldn't even, yeah, it's so interesting to me. Well, you know, the funny thing, when I, when I met my, um, my current husband, who is going to remain my husband, I'm not planning another one. <laughs> you know, when I met my husband, very, very early on, because of the experience I'd had, because I was going through that, you know, that journey and then the marriage, my first marriage had fallen apart. I was very clear that the person, I can remember saying that ideally I wanted to meet somebody who was spiritual, but I was open to not ruling out because I thought, well, there might be other people like me who do all this stuff and just don't realize they're spiritual. So I didn't want to, do you know what I mean? I didn't want to just label it as I'm only going to date you if you're spiritual. And so I can remember we were only on about date number three. And I can remember we, he was sitting helping me get prepared for, for a conference I was speaking at. And I was saying, look, there's a few things I need to tell you. You need to understand how I live my life. And he said, well, well what, what do you mean? And I said, well, when, what I do is if, if I want something to happen for me or other people, I set an intention and I set the intention. And then what usually happens is that whatever I say I would like tends to happen a lot of the time and I live my life by signs and I follow these signs and you know that's how I live my life and opportunities come to me that way and he sort of looked at me he is um he runs a nuclear power station engineer non-spiritual okay but scientific and logic is good and uh, he's looking at me and he was just going right okay well I don't really get what you're saying but you know I'll you know I'm not going to put, I'm not going to mock you for it I am um, I will listen you know he's an intelligent guy and I can remember we went out for dinner and we were sitting in a pub in Edinburgh and it had a glass conservatory and we were talking even though it was early on we were talking about wouldn't it be so great if we could just get cheap flights from Edinburgh to Geneva to go skiing for the weekend and it was before you could get a lot of cheap flights which we now have he said, well, yeah, why don't we look it up when we get back? And I'm like, no, 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 we'll just, you know, just, well, let's just park that, set the intention, see what happens. Well, it was only about half an hour later. 
his face went pure white and I'm like what is it and he said is that what you mean by one of your signs and I turned round and there was this bus had stopped right outside the pub and it said flights www.flyglobespan Edinburgh Geneva 2599 and he said is that a sign and I just went yep if you want to go out with me, you're going to have to get used to that because that's what it, that, that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. But he's great because he challenges me scientifically. So I will say, I test anything spiritual on him scientifically quite a, well, quite a lot. So I will say to him something like, is it true that you and I are physical? Um, we're just energy. We're molecules. We're atoms. We're molecules. We're all these tiny protons, whatever, whatever you call them when you get smaller and smaller down a microscope. Yes. So we're all just a massive vibrating energy. Yes. And that table and that chair is also just vibrating energy. Yes. So could it possibly be true that when I change what I think, I have an effect on that chair and that that chair might be a living entity? And he'll go, scientifically, that may be true. So it's that kind of conversation. So we have the spiritual conscience. He is definitely the science and I am more the spiritual, but we bring them together. Well, I, it, it's so beautiful. I just started reading a book, which is one of her first books about um, synchronicity and Tao. And it's, mm. um, and it's this beautiful thing. And I've just started reading it. And in the beginning, it said, you know, these mystics, these like mystics in these third world countries who have been sitting here uh, meditating for decades, right? Have cut, know that we are all connected. We are all connected, right? right? Totally and and right. they know that, that how we are all connected. And then finally, science has come along and said, oh, yeah, just uh, particle theory and um, we're all connected. You know what I mean? And like the, science has now taken their scientific approach and spent all of these decades to find out exactly what the mystics have known this entire known. time. That's right. That's and right. so they're yeah. coming together. And I, you know, my undergrad was in science and I like science. I like the, the illusion of um, knowing, right? The yeah. illusion yeah. of concrete, I, this is true. I've proven this is true. I hold both of those. So I think that the, I think it's a really great union and fun, right? He stretches you, it's you stretch him. Yeah, okay. I mean, he's been great because, you know, I'll come and say stuff and he'll question me and he'll chat and I'll be like, right, okay, this is really good. Because actually, and when I wrote my first book, I wanted to make sure I put a lot of science in for the people who were maybe more skeptical about some of the things I was talking about in that. And I think part of that came from skeptical friends, but also those conversations with him that actually, for some people, it's really important to hear the science first before they're willing to believe in something for others we can just go on the feeling or the intuition or the you know the connection we get but for others it's another route in yeah and and that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this conversation not just with you but mm. with everyone of like mm. this is for everybody you could be atheist and have this conversation you could have totally you know and and let's just start the conversation and listen to people's path one of my new favorite questions and we had kind of talked about it which is what is the strangest situation or um, experience you've had in your seeking of a spiritual life, if you have had any? Yeah, well, I mean, continuing, I suppose, on the quest of just trust it. I mean, I am very much somebody that I just trust that everything happens for a reason and I follow the signs. And following one of these signs a few years ago, 
took me to Rwanda. I was looking for an experience where I could give, make use of my skills at that point as a therapist, but also continue to travel and help young people. And so I ended up at the top of a mountain in Rwanda with young genocide survivors. And that was an experience which I thought was actually going to be a one-off experience. But I, I mean, when I got there, I mean, my heart just broke open with love at a, at a whole other level when I heard the stories of these poor young people who had been orphaned during the genocide, had witnessed and experienced the worst things that we could ever experience and see as human beings. The way that they held faith. So I would say that they would still, you know, they would still, they would use like, you know, we would start every day with um, singing and dancing around uh, um, literally a bucket and sticks. They, you know, as, we, as, as, as the minibus drove up the mountain, it was a two hour journey to the top of this mountain. And, um, you know, they'd be, they'd be beating the drum with the sticks and they'd be singing African songs and then we'd, we'd arrive and they'd all, they'd be so, ex, so excited we'd got to the top and they'd be like, oh my God, you got here safely. Because people do die falling off the sides of the mountain. And regularly, you know, almost regularly, we'd always start with a check-in and say, well, you know, you know, how are you today? And, and regularly somebody in their family had died or something would have happened. So they were so grateful to us for every day venturing up this mountain to go and be with them. And we would start with these, you know, this drumbeat and the singing and the dancing, and then we would go into prayer. Prayer was all about, you know, they would say to prayer and they would say the prayer to, the sa- to whether or not it's the same God or a very similar God to the God that I'd experienced when I was young. So I was like, right, okay, this is fascinating because I just need to reframe this. This is actually, for me, it's about connection. And we, you know, as we do when we are looking to communicate and connect with anybody, it's about stripping our message with, from the terminology we might use and putting it into their terminology. So I was like, right, okay, so that's prayer to them. To me, it's meditation. That's fine. It really opened my heart to see the capacity of human beings to survive and the messages the insights I got from them were incredible so things like I would say to them you know how have you got through the last few years having seen all your family murdered being a child growing up in Rwanda by yourself what's kept you going what kept you going through those really horrible you know times I mean they didn't have many good times at all you know and they would say things like God spared me I have a purpose and my role is to share the light in this world. And you'd be just like, whoa, what is that? You know, and when you see, there was one little boy, Matthew, who he walked, he lived at the top of a mount, this mountain in Rwanda, in a family, he'd lost his mum. he'd only just survived the genocide. Many of the people in his community, many of his friends and family were killed. As a very young boy, he remembers that. And he decided that his way of a better life was to get an education. How this little boy living in a mud hut at the top of a mountain who'd never seen a phone, never seen a telly, never seen a films. You know, our children in the Western world, even if, we don't, if they've not had money, they'll have walked past a shop and seen a TV screen and seen what another life could be like. But this little boy walked for two hours every single day to school, which was in an orphanage, and he'd only have a rice, you know, bowl of rice a day to eat. Sometimes they couldn't afford to pay for him to go to school. Literally, he would stand outside and listen. And I thought, well, what is it that, how did that boy have that wisdom to know and have the faith that if they kept doing this, he'd create a better life? And there were so many stories like that. I mean, he's one of the people that... um, 
we worked with closely with for years and years and years and he, he, there's been a film made about that project and the work that we did and he's one of the main people because he went on and completely transformed his life but it did get me to question that piece of what is it within us that gives us the strength and particularly in the, for people who have not been given the physical opportunity to see things differently but then the other thing that really struck me there was just how religious they still all were and this isn't being um you know i totally respect where they are with things but during the genocide so many of their priests rounded people up into churches and invited the people in to massacre them and to then see that they were still holding these people in the same esteem as you know now just i still don't quite get it but i'm also open to um, I've seen how hearts can heal. I've seen how we've been able to help these people through the trauma healing we did, forgive the people that committed the crimes and the capacity of us as human beings. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but these have probably been times when it's really tested me and got me to go deeper into what spirituality is about and what religion and the, just how far faith can actually help us get through really challenging times. I just yeah the story is so touching both that you are courageous enough to hold that space to go into that space and and say okay i will sit here and witness because for me i think the witnessing is so vital and totally right and i i used to do grief work and people would always go like how do you do grief work oh my god and to hold that space i get to witness that's my job. Like I'm witnessing your love and, and your pain. And, and that's the healing that occurs. And, and it just the profoundness of how this little boy could have greater faith than me. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and be more courageous in his actions than I have ever had to be your, or may ever will, you know, and, you know, I have a hard time forgiving the guy who cuts me off in traffic. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and it just, yeah. And I don't want to go to this place of shame. I don't want to do that. That's not helpful. But to hold that, like, this is what, that he is the ideal I want. He mm -hmm. is the place I want to get to, right? Mm -hmm. To hold that in my heart. And if he can do it, I can do it, right? Yeah. And to live in that forgiveness. And, you know, it's bizarre because when we're there, literally, I can't even begin to tell you the number of, I mean, we, there's no other word for it, miracles that just happen. And, I'm absolutely convinced that it's because when we're there, one of our volunteers, one of, one of the trips, one of our volunteers said, Alison, I can't believe the love that oozes from this group of, of genocide survivors. I mean, literally, because what we're doing is, we're, the vision is you neutralize the same emotions that cause terrorism in the world. You know, you neutralize them, replace them with love, and she just came in and said, they're just oozing so much love. And I'm sure that it's because literally the love resonance when we're over there, whether or not that's energy or the physical, you know, whatever type of energy you want to call that, literally miracles happen when we are there. And things that we would never have imagined just start to all come together. And that's that connection thing happening again. You know, we get fun, we get philanthropists from America just phoning us and saying here's some money just there because they've heard about something that happened with us you know the day before and crazy stuff um, yeah. and I'm sure it's the resonance of love that we're all in and that that it, that that natural energy source that we go back into because 
you also can only, I love the word that you used, um, all we can do is witness and be there and give them the space. And when we do that with love, kindness and compassion in your hearts, that is what is the healing forces. And as you know, you've got metaphysicists all searching in the quest for, you know, what is, what's that missing particle that holds the, the universe together, the scientific universe together? Go and ask a Tibetan monk and he'll just say it's compassion. And actually, if you look at the energy vibration of compassion and what's going on, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it comes back to what you said earlier, you know, it's yeah. about love and the resonance of love and what happens when we're in that place. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your amazing story. I would like to, I will put a link to if someone wants to support your work. Is there, is there a place for them to support your work? In um, I can give you the link of, I'll give you the link to the charity that I go out with, although Perfect. we're not going out anymore to Rwanda. Mm -hmm. um, there's other work being done now. Um, currently, the, the next project is actually with Indigenous people and refugees in Australia. Um, and I'm going to get involved in doing um, some work with, probably with a charity in Bali, actually. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do some stuff around there. So I'll go, I can give you some links. Yeah, there. yeah. And so that'll be on coachlesley.com forward slash podcast. Um, I also just want to say, although you've never mentioned this as part of your spiritual life, what you told me, everything you said was service, how you are being mm -hmm. of service in the world. And you never mentioned like this is part of your work, right? And you just, you just told the story of it, of I go and be of service. I show up and mm -hmm. be of service and mm -hmm. how vital that is to your path. I mean, is that true for you? Totally. You know, yeah. I think my, my core motivator is to make a difference. You know, I just want to make a difference. And I think that also helped me realize that when it comes to running a business and, and, you know, you and I both run a business and a, a, it is about being of service and we can, when we can focus on really having as much impact as we possibly can, but being kind to ourselves as well. So it is that balance of making a difference to ourselves and making a difference to others so that we look after ourselves and so that we are sustainable, which is another of the things we teach in, in Africa, that that is a more joyful and organic way to allow our businesses, careers, lives to unfold. And um, for me, the stuff, the work I've done in Rwanda has completely changed the whole nature of my business now because of all that giving. So yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. So thank you so much for sharing your time with me and your amazing story and your path. And um, yes, I hope that um, I, I can't wait to hear what happens next for you. Like you're someone <laughs> I want to witness. Like I'm like, oh, I wonder what she's going to do next. You, uh, you really go big, it sounds, you know, you're not... Oh, I've got a, I've got a big, a big vision gap. Nice. <laughs> That's a whole other conversation we could have. <laughs> Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Leslie. And thank you to everybody who's listening and watching this as well. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode of Spirituality Out Loud. Be sure to rate us, review us, and like us on Facebook. And share us with your friends.